All right, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Um, you know, hey, I wanted to do that because we know that pitchers and catchers have, have reported a while back, and now you got other folks uh, that are showing up. Uh, and I thought I'd talk today on uh, spiritually kind of being called up to the major leagues. At this time, everybody's talking about contracts, and, you know, some people are brought, uh, have a major league contract, which means they are guaranteed to make major league money. Uh, there are some people that are being brought to camp uh, on what is called referred to as a minor league contract, but they're a training camp invite. In other words, come give it a shot, try to make the team, but chances are you're going back and you're going to be riding a bus, you're going to be uh, uh, sleeping in cheap hotels, you're going to be making a little money and uh, very little money and stuff like that. So uh, I thought I would talk about what it means as a believer uh, when we are called up spiritually to the major leagues, when we are lifted high spiritually after making a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. And so we really want to look at 1 Peter chapter 1, and see what Peter says there and uh, uh, as we think about it. But before we even get back to 1 Peter chapter, uh, chapter 1, let me just read spiritually what it means for us to be called up in the major leagues. So if you want to jump to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, and then we'll jump forward, go back to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, then we'll go forward to 1 Peter chapter 1. Um, it says this, uh, chapter 2, verse 9, says, But you are a chosen, in other words, special. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possessions. And what's your purpose? That you would proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Man, that, that's the major league spiritually. If you want to know what we have, you know, the difference between being in the major leagues and the minor leagues, uh, it's significant. You know, really, probably the, uh, the bigger difference between the major league and the minor leagues, it's not the level of play in a lot of areas because, man, when you get up to that level, the, the difference in level of play is minuscule. Now, it's amazingly rewarding and minuscule, but it is. The biggest difference between the major league and minor league is the amenities you get. It's the hotels you stay in. It's the way you travel. It's what you eat. It's uh, the stipends you're given every day. It is absolutely the treasure of all treasures. That's why when we come to the end of the year, uh, this year, and they get to call up all of these extra players, and they can expand their rosters. Uh, these guys that have been toiling in the minor leagues, even if they only get to throw one pitch or get one at bat in the major leagues, the joy for those guys is to get and ride around and get to spend time and get to eat what the major leaguers have been eating. Now, when we trust Christ as Savior and Lord, uh, this is who we become. First Peter chapter two verse nine. He says, "You are a chosen race. You are a chosen. You are selected. You have been drafted." A royal priesthood. I mean, you get the jersey. You get to walk the walk. You get to talk the talk. We become basically our own priests. In the Old Testament, uh, priests were, uh, were important. They were an important part of, uh, of Israel's life. Uh, I talked two weeks ago about the story of the Good Samaritan, and the priest walked by on one side, and the Levite walked by on the other side. Boy, in the Old Testament, uh, all, uh, all Levites weren't priests, but all 
priests were Levites, and they were from the tribe of Levi, and you would select a few priests. Those priests, they performed the sacrifices. They were able to speak forgiveness to God's people. They were able to speak for God to his people. They were able to bless God's people. Now, the reality of it is, when we become believers in Jesus Christ, we become royal priests. Not just priests, but royal priests priest. And so that's pretty impressive, man. It is, it is major league quality. He says, then you become a holy nation. In other words, together as God's children, all the believers, all the church as one, we become a holy, sanctified, and pure nation, not because of who we are and not because of how we act and not because of how we walk and not because of how we live, but because God has imputed in us his righteousness, his purity, his holiness. At the same time, he has forgiven us of all of our sins. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, man, he washed our sins away. All of our sins, which allows us as a people of God, as a royal priesthood, as a holy nation to become pure to become separated from the world and then to God. Then we go on, he says, a people for God's own possession. We're not free agents. We're not wandering around looking for a team. There's some people that we know. There's some guys that, uh, that navigate through our church that are, um, are still pursuing their dream of baseball. And uh, they're, they're trying to catch on, and, and some of them are in minor leagues. Some of them, one of them in particular, has uh, just crossed past his, past his uh, second Tommy John surgery, and he's at a major league camp right now. And uh, he probably won't throw in his first uh, competitive game until July, but he's at a camp. He's working out with the people. He's hoping to, to, to find his dream at least one more time. We've got a couple other guys that I know that uh, have, uh, have graduated from Allen and uh, uh, Lovejoy, that they're trying to catch on with some of these independent teams. Uh, one of them's up in Canada right now, and he's just trying to hold on to that dream and pursue that dream. And the big question in his life uh, is, how far do I go? How long do I stick with it? Um, and you know what? Guess what they're doing, man? They're, they're substitute teachers. They're waiters at night. Uh, you know, they're washing cars in the morning. They're just trying to support their dream. The beauty is, man, when we trust Christ as our Savior and Lord, we become God's own possession. That, that we pretty much get, you know, we, 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 we get owned by God. And, and that's a good thing. That is a good thing. That is a crazy uh, good thing. And as you read on, he says, we are God, a people for his own possessions. So that what? What's our purpose? That we were to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you and called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So because, listen to this, I'm a chosen race, a royal priest, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession, my purpose then is to proclaim the excellencies of God who called me out of darkness and into light. That's what I should be about. And that's what we talk about the last couple of weeks. We said, man, every, everybody's eyes we look into, they're going to spend eternity apart from God or in the presence of God. One of those two places. And that's got to matter to us. Because if we are heading to His excellencies, if we are heading... 
uh, to heaven, if we are heading to an eternal relationship with God, that's something that we have to share. Because the truth is, we didn't earn it because we were really good people. God didn't look down and say, man, John Mark, uh, you, you're pretty sharp. And you've got it together. You've uh, made it happen. You've, you've really been good. You're, you're good. So outweighs your bad. I want to choose you. Because compared to everybody else, you're better than, the, than most. That's not why. It was God's grace that he chose us. And so, man, that is, that is the big league experience spiritually. That is being called up to the major leagues spiritually. Now, as we just jump down, let's just call it. Now, how do we get called up to the major leagues? How do I get to become a holy nation, a, 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 a chosen race, a royal priesthood? How do I make that journey? Now, here's where we jump back. Go back to 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter says, Praise or blessed um, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that in His great mercy He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into, listen to this, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept for you in heaven, who through faith, verse 5, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is being made ready for you to be revealed in the last time. And so that's how we get called. In the, so how does it start? It starts with what we refer to as the new birth. Anybody ever heard the phrase being born again? Uh, Jesus is talking to uh, Nicodemus in John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, Nicodemus comes up, comes up and says, Hey, teacher, how can a man enter into the kingdom of God? And what was Jesus' response? He says, I tell you, you must be born again. What was the question that Nicodemus asked him? He responded back and said, Whoa, whoa, uh, how can a man enter into his mother's womb a second time? What was he? He was thinking of a physical rebirth. Now, the reality of it is, uh, a man can't enter into his mother's womb a second time and be reborn. That can't happen. Jesus says, No, I'm talking about spiritually. He says, You must be born of water and of the Spirit, be born again, all right? What does that mean? What is water? He's talking about like when a woman breaks water, that means she's about to give physical birth. He says the only way you can be saved, you can be born again, is there have to have been a physical birth. That's one of the reasons we know that once the angels, and back in eternity past, somewhere along the way, some of the angels chose uh, to follow after Satan. Some of the angels chose to stay faithful to God. Those that followed after Satan, there will never be a rebirth. There will, angels will never be born again. Why? Because John chapter 3 says, for you to be born again, you have to have first been born physically physical birth. So salvation is for humanity alone. The angels had way more knowledge than you and I have from the day we were born, and they made a choice to rebel against God, and they will pay in all of eternity for it. No second chances. But for us and for you and for me, since we were born with a sin nature, Adam and Eve were born without a sin nature, they chose to sin, uh, how much more so us being born with a sin nature choose to sin. That's our natural path. That's our natural leaning. And so G Jesus looked at uh, Nicodemus and he says, listen, 
If you want to go to the kingdom of heaven, he says, you have to be born again. Now, Nicodemus didn't get it. He said, how can I be born again? And Jesus says, you're thinking physically, I'm talking about spiritually. He says, you're right. You can't be, none of, the, none of us can be born again physically, but we can all be born again spiritually. And so Jesus follows it on down and says, how are we born again spiritually? He says, through faith. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. Now, some misinterpret uh, that phrase that Jesus used there in John chapter 3 uh, when he says, Marvel not, I say that you must be born of water and the Spirit. Some would tie that to water baptism. They would say, oh, so you have to believe and be baptized. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about physical birth. You say, well, how do you know that? The context is very clear. Nicodemus asked the question, so you're telling me a, a man can go back and be born, born of his mother again? So Nicodemus is telling you, the conversation we're having here is not about John the Baptist's baptism. We're not talking about Jesus' baptism. We're talking about physical birth and spiritual birth. So how do we get called up to the major leagues? It is through a spiritual birth. So notice what he says, First Peter chapter 1, verse uh, 3. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, um, in His great mercy, who in His great, great mercy, He has given us a new birth. So God gave it to us. I didn't earn it. I didn't look good enough where God looked down and said, I'm going to give you a second shot, John Mark. You've been making such a hard play towards being good. You've, you've pressed forward, man. You, 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 you didn't look so good when you got up to bat, but you got on base and, and you stayed faithful. You got a pretty good lead and good grief on the pass ball. You, you made it to second. You were working hard in your faith and you go to church from time to time. And, and, and man, somehow, I don't know how, on a deep sacrifice fly to right field, you were able to tag up and make it to third. And so God looks at me and says, man, you've done a lot of work, so I'm going to bring you on home. I'm going to give you the score. That is not what it says. It says, in his great mercy, he says, John Mark, I looked up there, and you stepped up to the plate, and they were throwing the ball 99 miles an hour, and you didn't come close to one of them. You were swinging and missing. I put you out in the field. Every ball hit to you, went between your legs, and you screwed up. Every time you threw the ball to first base, you overthrew it. Your life is filled with swings and misses, screw-ups, strikeouts, errors. He says, as a matter of fact, uh, you don't deserve a place on the team. Of all people, John Mark, you don't deserve a place on the team. But because I'm great in mercy, I've got a spot for you. I've got a spot for you on my team. He says, now listen, when you get on my team, he says, I know you don't deserve it. John Mark, I, you haven't earned it. He says, I'm going to go ahead and let you travel with the rest of the team. He says, John Mark, let's be honest. You need to be on a bus, spiritually speaking. You need to be on the bus with the minor leaguers. He says, John Mark, I'm going to go ahead and let you stay in the team hotel. I'm going to let you eat the team food. I'm going to let you spend time and eat the team meal. He says, we're going we're gonna to go ahead and, John Mark, we're going to go ahead and let you use a major league bat 
and, and that glove you wear that you can't catch anything with. We're going to go ahead and get you a new Wilson A2000. Been the marquee glove forever. And he goes, I'm going to give you all that because I'm great in mercy. And guys in here, for us, that's what it means. God loved us so much that because of his great mercy, he lavishes all that stuff on us. Not because you've never blown up a marriage. Not because you've been the best husband. Not because you've been the best uh, father. Not because you've been the best this. It's because God is the best. And he is awesome. And the beauty of the end of the year for a lot of those major league players, uh, minor league players, is there are people all down the list in AAA and AA and even single A that they are longing for that day when the rosters are expanded so that they can get called up and spend, spend some time with the major leagues. And the reality of it is, for them, it, many of them, that will be their only time ever never to return. But the beauty of God's children is when he calls us up to the major league through salvation, through faith in Jesus Christ, he calls us up and it lasts forever. Lasts for all of eternity. You say, well, what does it look like if you want to turn uh, um, to Ephesians chapter 2? Here's what it looks like for us to be uh, called into a new birth. In Ephesians chapter 2, picking up reading in verse 1, we all uh, know those, for it, those words, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. But if you go all the way back to verse 1, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, Paul is reminding the Ephesian believers. And it's a good reminder for all of us, especially for, for some of us who have been believers for a long time and have a tendency to look down our noses towards those who are not believers in the way they act and the way they talked and the way they lived their life. And so Paul reminds the Ephesian believers, he says, As for you, you were also dead in your trespasses and sins. Jump to verse 4. But because of God's great love for us, God who was rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. He says, it is by grace you have been saved. Then you jump down to verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one should boast. Then he says in verse 10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, when God calls us to the major leagues, he's got work for us to do. We might, might not be the best on the team. I might be the utility infielder. Someone else might be the shortstop. Someone else might be the center fielder. Someone else might be uh, the right fielder that hits bombs or the first baseman that hits bombs. Someone might be the catcher that really works well. Someone might be the manager. He says, man, when I call you up, I have work for you to do. Some people's work, man, it, it, is, it is out there on full display. Some people's work isn't. You ever, you ever tracked, you know, um, 
any of these guys that are, that are professional bullpen pitchers, catchers, it's all they do is they just catch bullpen. That's their whole job with the team. They'll never step on the field other than warming up the pitcher, doing long toss with the pitcher. But some of these major league, major league guys fall in love with their bullpen catcher because this guy gives them good feedback, and that's all he's doing. He's focusing on him, and the coach will walk, uh, walk up. Sometimes Mike Maddox, or back when he was here, you'd see him talking to the bullpen catcher. What's it looking like? That bullpen catcher says, you know what, he's doing this or he's doing this. His, his, his ball's not, not, not doing this. Sometimes he, he would ask. One of the places I've, I've lucked out, I've, I've met a guy uh, that, that, praise the Lord, he lives in Lubbock. But he's got like 10 seats on the first row looking right into the bullpen. And so when I go to the Rangers game, I sit there, put my feet on the bullpen, and I love to hear the dialogue. And, boy, the, it's not uncommon for the pitching coach that's standing out, the bullpen coach, he's talking to the catcher that will never get in a game and probably has never played in a game past first, you know, single A, double A or whatever asking him, hey, what should he be throwing when he's out there? Because they can tell the difference. Some, some of us are bullpen catchers. We're never going to be, be the Billy Graham of faith. But let me tell you what, that guy's about as, as important as anything else. A couple of years ago, if you know about this guy that's been catching for the, bull, for the uh, Rangers for a long time, when they went to the Major League, when they went to the World Series, this guy apparently drove like a 78 Cutlass Sierra. It was a boat thing. Because at that time, I think he made about $39,000 as a bullpen catcher. And he tra traveled on a charter flight. He didn't travel with the team. But he, somewhere along the line, had always said, you know, someday I want a Corvette. And the year they all went to the World Series, the pitchers got together and bought him the most decked-out vet because they realized how important he is. Just to sit there and, hey, be here for my bullpen sessions. Put up with me. Help me. Talk to me. Reinforce what the coach. Guy will never go out on the field. Guy will never go out on the field. And the reality is some of us are that way in faith, but there's a place for you on the team. And so, guys, when we get called up to the major leagues, it's because of God's grace, mercy, great mercy. So notice what he says. Go back to uh, verse 3. He says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because of his great mercy. He has given us a new birth, a spot on the team, into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So where does all that hope, where does all that born again, where does all that forgiveness, where does all that mercy go or come from? It comes to the person of Jesus Christ who died for us on the cross. And so as we journey a couple of weeks, just a couple of weeks away from Easter, we need to be reminded that spiritually speaking, everybody we come into contact with needs to have that season in their life where spiritually they get called up to the major leagues. And the beautiful thing about God's mercy and God's grace is we don't have to work our way to the majors. 
We don't have to find our way through rookie and then go through an extended tra spring training. And then we go to f l uh, level A and then single A and double A and triple A. And finally, if you stick with it, Last year, I forget the guy's name, uh, Jeff, you may remember the name, who was the guy that had tooled in the major leagues, and he was 35 or 36, and he pitched for the Rangers last year, and he had been tooling in the minor leagues forever. Who was that guy? Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah, yeah. It was just, and just an incredible story that a guy had been tooling in the minor leagues, the beautiful thing in your faith. You don't have to toil in the minor leagues. You just come by faith. When we come by faith, not on our own works, receive God's grace, you are placed on God's team. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for these guys just to get to know each other a little better today. Lord, I pray that we would leave here today with two thoughts, that I am part of a royal priesthood. I am part of a chosen people. I am part of being a holy nation. But the reason I've been given all of those things is because of God's mercy and grace for me, not because I've earned it. Therefore, I shouldn't look down on anybody that hasn't been called up spiritually. But the point and the purpose of my life from here on out is to proclaim those same mercies and graces that saved me to those I come into contact with. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.